Welcome, Black Hollywood Live fans. On today's episode of Justice is Served, we talk really, Ricky Williams gets stopped by the police and an Asian-American band runs into trademark trouble. Stay tuned for more. You are tuned into Black Hollywood Live. Justice is Served. <laughs> well, we've got some interesting music on. Uh, welcome to Justice is Served. Uh, my name is Shaka Smith. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. I'm joined here by Yemi Abayemi. Hi, it's Yemi Abayemi, <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ayemiem. And uh, right now, we are jamming out to the music of the slants. Um, that comes up in another story about a, a trademark issue. But yeah, remember the slants. Uh, they're trying to trademark that name, so... Interesting story. Yeah. But we started off at the top with Ricky Williams. Uh, he, you know, Ricky Williams, the uh, famed NFL uh, running back, he got stopped by the police over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Tell he, us a little bit more. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he was uh, walking through. He was, staying, he was in, um, in town for an event, some sort of football event, um, and he was staying at a hotel, and he was walking around the area. He said he decided to go for a walk when some officers stopped him. These officers had received a call about, you know, a suspicious person wandering around this, the hotel property. And, uh, and the best thing, we actually have the tape of this stop. And apparently, uh, like, insider knowledge, they didn't, because uh, Ricky Williams is a friend of Chelsea Galicia. Um, Chelsea is not here this week, but she gave us the story, and she talked to Ricky about it. And apparently they didn't even recognize him, didn't know who he was, because his name is Eric Williams. And so they, they didn't recognize the Eric to be Ricky. But uh, we'll play the tape, and uh, we'll watch how this went down. Now, I, I thought that was kind of unusual protocol. So, Turn around for me. this can happen to anyone if someone calls in and reports you to be suspicious. I mean, I, I don't think you, I don't think that's. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a good question because the thing is, if someone makes a call, um, the police do have a duty to investigate it. Not if it go in your pockets. Yeah, go for it. Okay. But and and I guess that's the whole point of kind of doing like a little a little stop, not detaining someone for longer than they than you have to detain them to un- uncover Get kind of ID. what's really going okay. on or whether there's you know um, grounds for something more for and, an arrest, for example. And we know uh, so this is what's called a Terry frisk. So, you know, we Supreme Court established that in Terry v. Ohio. But what a Terry Frisk is, is they're supposed to be feeling for weapons. You know, they can't reach into your pocket and then grab marijuana and say, okay, we got you. Um, yeah, they're, they're just trying to protect their own safety. So they know they've entered into a stop with an unknown person. Yeah. Um, so they're allowed to protect themselves and just make sure that he doesn't have any weapons on him. But um, they can't go kind of searching okay. for anything that doesn't feel like yeah, a, a weapon. Yeah, we had a call. Now, tell me, when they asked him to go in his pockets, uh, I, so, what are your thoughts on that? Because he allowed them to go in his pockets, but doesn't he feel almost compelled to say yes? And that would be almost an overreach of the Terry Frisk. So that, the thing is, yeah, he said yes, so at the end of the day, there's kind of no issue there. But what there. can you say in that situation with five police? You say no, it's going to create a combative uh, environment. That's the challenge. I mean, you, you, he has every right to say no, and they but, really wouldn't been, yeah. wouldn't have been able to kind of say or do anything without a grounds, without reasonable suspicion to do so. But um, 
but you do open yourself up to the possibility of then kind of prolonging the detention because now they yeah. will think you are suspicious. What does he have to hide? Why yeah. can't I go into your pocket? So it's kind of a double-edged sword, unfortunately, for most uh, people who get detained. And then here they're continuing to question him. At this point, they've already seen his hotel key, and they know he's staying in that hotel. You tell me. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I mean, you might have saw a black person and got his dishes, but I just was, I wasn't doing it. Well, you passed the tax script. No, no, that's not what I meant, but I meant... He, I felt bad for him in that state because he was saying, you know, very reasonably said, look, someone might have just thought I was suspicious by the color of my skin. And they're saying, oh, now you're turning it into a race issue. And, and I just don't understand why they're continuing to talk. They've done the frisk. They've determined there's no weapon. And so, yeah, this goes on for a full seven minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I... I, I Normally, I'm for the police doing their job and maybe performing a Terry Frisk, and you know, but this to me seemed like almost too much. Uh, I mean, he, he's. I think you know everyone has a right to be left alone, and in this case, he kind of unfortunately didn't get to be left alone. Um, I don't know. They're they're kind of engaging him in conversation, and part of me wonders whether it's on purpose. You know, sometimes you'll notice that the officers will engage you in conversation while uh, another officer is busy running a check in the car to see if you have warrants out for arrest or anything that could potentially kind of give them grounds to, I guess, detain you longer. So maybe that's kind of what what's happening here. They really have no reason to keep him. They've checked his pockets. They haven't found yeah. anything. He says he was going for a walk. There's something kind of crazy about his story. But they might just be biding time at this point. Yeah. There is a question as to, like, how long can they reasonably keep you for? You know, the Supreme Court has said that, you know, they can't keep you for any longer period of time than is reasonable to kind of assess the situation. Yeah. So, well, yeah, quite the ordeal for Ricky, but at least he wasn't arrested and um, was fine. I think he actually appeared on the Tomorrow Show, so that's uh, you guys can go out and catch the Tomorrow Show and see Ricky talk about this incident uh, personally. Yeah, he handled it well, though. He didn't really get agitated. He spoke to them calmly, as you're expected to do as a, as a black <laughs> man who gets stopped. Yes. So, um, well, moving on, we have uh, Sherry Shepard, another celebrity in the news. Again, we know this has been an ongoing case. Um, what did you think about her latest win? She finally won. Well, I, I, I wouldn't call it a win necessarily. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, <clears throat> she went as her former husband, Sally. I can't remember what his first name is. No, it's not John. What is it? I know. Uh, Lamar, is it Lamar Sally? I'm not sure, but Mr. Sally yeah. uh, took Sherry Shepard to court uh, saying that she, he wanted more um, more child support. She's currently paying $6,400. He wants more because he says that that uh, child support order was based off of her perceived salary of $1 million. It turns out that she might be making up to $3 million a year. He's also getting his health care fully paid as well. Health care. He's on her life insurance, things like that. But he's saying he needs more in terms of child support because the child has some sort of... um, uh, develop, de- developmental disorder, issues, yeah. And so he took her to court in California saying, I want increased child support. The court ruled I, in Sherry's favor saying that matters of child support really fall under uh, the New, Jer- New, Jersey, New Jersey's jurisdiction. Yeah. We're not, we don't have proper jurisdiction to even rule in this matter. So if you have an issue with the amount that you're getting paid, you've got to go back to New Jersey and have them resolve it. Yeah. 
And and currently she's paying a little bit more than what she's ordered to pay in New Jersey. So the, the, he runs the risk of getting a reduced award. Right. Uh, what did you think about but the validity of it? She did make $1.8 million more than, than um, she had reported. Yeah, no, I think that's a problem. I, you know, typically the uh, child support amount that you pay is based off of your earnings, and so if they're operating based off of different uh, the wrong assumptions with respect to her earnings, and I think it is fair to ask the court to reassess that uh, and make some changes to the spousal support numbers. Now, the question is, um, were is the amount off by so much, or sorry, is is the amount that she's paying over right and above, n- over and above? Is that consistent with, you know, someone who makes $3 million, or is it inconsistent with? And so you, you just don't know how the court will, will go in that case. But you don't uh, want to agitate someone who's already paying more, more than, yeah, you know, because yes. it could work against you. Well, a small victory, I guess, for <laughs> <laughs> <Sherry> Shepard. <laughs> yes. Well, well we, have, we, had, we started off the top of the show with the slants. Um, so it looks like this Asian-American band has decided to call themselves the slants, and they, they're, they're doing this to break down racial stereotypes, and uh, I think it's also kind of indicative of maybe where the Redskins argument might go. We've talked about that um, before. What do you think about the, the getting their trademark rejected? Well, I thought it was interesting. That I, I thought it was... Uh, it's an interesting case, I think, because there have been a lot of inconsistencies in the way the trademark office has applied this rule. So there's a provision in the in the um, that makes it such that the trademark office has to deny uh, trademarks for those marks that might be considered disparaging mm-hmm. or offensive to a group of people, which is why uh, the Redskins lost their trademark registration. And so in this case, they're saying that the term the slants is an offensive term for Asian people, uh, whereas the slants are saying that, oh, we are trying to kind of like, re- you know, take back uh, that type of term and kind of use it, you know, use it in a positive manner. Um, also, uh, it, it goes to the fact that we have a different slant in terms of our perspective. Um, so there's a variety of ways to look at it. But but um, what they, what I think, in terms of whether it's right or wrong, you know, it, it's hard to say because the term slant, I don't know it as a racist term, but you know, perhaps it is. But what I do think is interesting to point out is that there have been inconsistencies with the um, trademark office's application because um, you see NWA, which, you know, stands for, you know, N-word with an attitude, that got um, a registration. Hmm. Uh, White Trash Cowboys has a registration. Um, There is an instance where... It was, uh, it was a group called Dykes on Bikes where they got a registration, but then when they went to register their logo, that was denied. So it seems kind of unclear in what instances the trademark uh, office says, and, hey, no, we're going to reject this, and then in the cases in which they allow an offensive uh, term and, to be trademarked. Yeah, and we know that um, the lower court just ruled that that provision was actually against the Constitution because it qualified as viewpoint discrimination. And so which way do you think the Supreme Court's going to go on this? I know we have some indications of been oral arguments. Yeah, it seemed that um, uh, a number of the justices seemed to say that it is viewpoint discrimination, mm-hmm. and that um, you know, and that they can't that they that, that, that there's a problem with you know yeah. with uh, I guess minim- like limiting their use of. Uh, I thought Sotomayor had an interesting thing because she didn't really, see, or she seems to indicate she may not necessarily go that route, but she says you know. Because they can't get a trademark doesn't mean they can't call themselves a slant. Yeah, that's what the yeah. uh, that's what like that's what the administration tried to argue that hey yeah. we're not kind of imposing on your free speech rights. Yeah. We're just saying that you can't take advantage. You can't uh, avail yourself of the certain the, benefits that trademark, trademark registration offers. Um, Did you find that persuasive? 
I I did not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, trademark registration it does it it offers a lot. I mean, in in this case, um, you know, if they were to have, I mean. If they were to have their registration denied, yes, you know they're still able to go on um, yeah. using the name. They can still that means no sell one else can records it either, so they can still use it. Yeah, they can still use it. Um, they can still sell records. Yeah. It just it just takes away certain um, like da- rights to damages that you might have, and you know rights to sue in federal court. And but then they can still you know design patents and you know things. They can probably get around it by adding more to their logos or having a logo that's not the slant. You know. Uh, but that correlates with their band. Well, I don't know if, it, but it's not. I don't think it's a matter of the logo. I think it's the word, the word mark itself. No, I'm saying if they could create a logo that goes along with the band, and maybe they could trademark that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they could so. still trademark the logo, but um, they probably want to be able to trademark the name because they actually said they ran into a um, conflict with a group in Colorado, I believe, who also had the name The Slants, and uh, they told them, "Hey guys, this is our name. You need to change it." And the, and that Colorado group, they. First adjusted, um, or first off, they said, yeah, sure, but we won't use it. And then they, uh, a few months later, they decided, no, we're, we're actually going to keep the name, but we're just going to make a, a capital S and a capital N. And that you could probably trademark. Well, that's the question, though, yeah. because they, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the word slants in... Well, maybe referring to Asians, Objectively, so. but it, in the case of the... Col- so in the case of the Asian band, they're using the term slants, yeah. uh, I guess, as a kind of derogatory... As you know, taking back a derogatory yeah. term, the Colorado group. I don't think there was any. Yeah. Um, they weren't using it, you know. But but certainly to mean anything other than just the word slanted, you know. Yeah, but they would still not get the trademark though, because it's still disparaging to another group. That was I didn't I wasn't sure whether that was the case. Yeah, because because there are other trademark registrations for the term slant, I believe. Uh, but if they believe it's disparaging to another race or group, then you can't use it. Right, so, but but I think that, but I think but I think there are or already other registrations out there for the word slant. They don't have. They must have to do with something that fits that product and mold. I that I mean that's a that's a good question, but I, I don't know how you can ever tell. So, for example, if that Colorado group, let's just say it was a group of you know uh, a group of Mexican kids who you know just are just using it. Uh, not with respect to like being Asian or nothing. They're just using it a slant. It's a word. Yeah. It's a it's a fine word to use and say. Uh, you know, then there's there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to trademark it once you know the, you know they have certain um, recognition and they're engaging in commerce underneath that name. There would be no reason for the trademark office to deny that. It seems like it's just because I don't and I don't know how the trademark office kind of found out that. It was an Asian American band in particular, but an I, Asian American band and using it in a derogatory or, manner. Like, who makes that assessment? Does the trademark office just say yeah. "slant" is a bad word? Since I, when? Well, I think they may have when they offered up their explanation for their band. They, that's probably where they got wind of it. So, I mean, it's an interesting case, but I think I think the Supreme Court will probably come down and say it is viewpoint discrimination. So, yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs> you know, I was reading an article about in in one of the. Um, the kind of one of the group members was saying that they hope that the they they hope that you know the red the redskins are restricted from using the term redskins because that's disparaging but um in their case they of course want to go ahead with being able to trademark the name because in their case even though it's a distri- even though it might be considered disparaging we, the group ourselves, are using it. I thought it raised a very interesting question as to whether it's something only disparaging once uh, a group outside of that is using and that And how do you term. objectively investigate how they're 
you know, because a group might be within that group, but they might be using it in a derogatory manner as well. So how do you investigate or determine as in a court of law which, you know, which way their intent is? So I think they're going to have to come down and say it's, it's viewpoint discrimination and open it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Well, I'm sure the Redskins are uh, hoping for it. Well, we have another interesting case with a retired, uh, retired corrections officer getting arrested and claiming that he was beaten during the arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have Ronald Lanier, uh, who, who was shopping in a supermarket um, in, I think it was Long Island, uh, New York, uh, just shopping, for, uh, shopping in the supermarket. And again, we have a situation where the police were called about um, a potential shoplifter uh, somewhere. And so they immediately stopped, uh, stopped Lanier. Uh, he claims that they punched him and they shouted epithets at him. Uh, he had to be treated for bruises, um, and he wants he wants them off the force. What do you think? Um, he, he himself was an officer. Sorry, I forgot to add. He himself is a police officer, and when he said that I'm an officer, I think they said there's a term that you use. I'm on the job. They said that's a, a term that officers often use to identify themselves as officers, uh, but they laughed at him and mocked him. What do you think his chances of prevailing are? Well, you know, in I guess provided that they have, you know, witness testimony saying that, you know, they he they accosted him and shoved him because he he says that he complied with their orders. They, you know, asked him to stop, turn around, put your hands behind your back. He says that he complied with their orders and they they shoved him to the down the ground and were beating him and that they only stopped when he asked uh, witnesses to start recording the incident. And we already know how important it is to have that, you know, that video evidence, because sometimes even when we have video evidence, nothing happens to the officers. Um, but, you know, I think it's uh, what he has on his side is the fact that it turned out that the the suspect that they were actually looking for was 100 pounds heavier than him, apparently, was wearing clothing completely of a different color than he was wearing. So he does have the grounds to say that, first off, you guys didn't even have the right to stop, regardless of how you treated me in terms of beating me and hitting me. You didn't me, even have the right to stop me. You didn't even have the, the right to place. stop yeah. me. Because just because someone calls in, um, you know, a black man has been shoplifting doesn't mean you have the rights to just stop every black person in your sight. You know, you have to have a very um, focused and more narrow description of the individual if you're going to stop someone and make sure that that person fits that narrow description. And I, I think it's I think one of the benefits that we had with the DOJ making these consent decrees with different cities was that this was the kind of stuff that would stop or be included within training. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's unfortunate. But we'll see, you know, how cities are affected going forward. But given the fact that the grocery place is a dangerous place to go, sometimes you <laughs> might want to cook at home. So can you tell us um, a little bit more about what you've been doing at home? Well, so uh, Blue Apron, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Of course. But uh, it's a service where you literally do not have to go to the grocery store anymore. Uh, what They will send you a box of meals, uh, ingredients, I should say, to your doorstep uh, on a weekly basis, and you have your meals for the, for the week. And all you have to do is take the ingredients out of the box, chop them up, prepare them, cook them, and then you have these and gourmet meals. You've used uh, them before, right? I've used them before. What's your favorite meal? Oh gosh, there's so many because you make you, you make so many different meals, uh, you know, with each with each um, shipment that comes with you to you. I don't even know that I would be able to specifically say. I just know that I love kind of that they t- pay particular attention to detail in terms of like you know not only do you cook the meal but they provide you with like little garnishes that you oh. can use to garnish your meal and, and things like. How that. How long does it take to make? Like is this like a 
The the time it takes to make the meals, it, it ranges. Sometimes it might be you know thirty minutes. Sometimes it might take forty five minutes. Um, they don't they don't tend to take too long. Um, you do have to prep the meals, and so you do have to do some of the chopping and and things like that. But um, but it's not it's not uh, it's not anything more than uh, anything else. But it is great that you don't have to go to the supermarket anymore, and you have the food delivered to you, and you have the benefit of having multiple meals throughout the week. So there are some people like myself. Sometimes I tend to just cook once during the week. Uh, and I eat the same thing throughout the week, but that can get a little bit boring. And so b- with Blue Apron, you're able to have a mixture of meals. And like, wait, how often are you getting meals? Is it weekly, biweekly? So you're getting them every week. Okay. Uh, and I think you can actually choose how many how many meals you get per week. Um, so I'm not, I think sometimes you can do like, you can choose to get six meals a week. Uh, and then I think you, there are options for, for more as well. I'm not sure though. And then like, what's the, is it like well-priced? Yeah, it is. Um, it's literally for less than $10 per person per meal. Uh, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Uh, so it's definitely a reasonable price. I mean, $10 per meal. I cannot go to a restaurant without paying more for that. I can barely go to a food truck <laughs> without paying more for that. So, But can we make it lower? Can we make it lower? <laughs> How do we make but, it lower? Uh, some of the types of upcoming meals, you asked me what's my favorite, but some of the featured upcoming meals, they have spicy spicy shrimp, spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage. They have pork chops and garlic piccata uh, with scallion rice. They have mushroom and chipotle pepper enchilada. So note oh, that they also have vegetarian like, meals, oh, nice, too, yeah. if, that's, if you don't eat meat. You can um, select that, that you don't eat red meat or um, you only eat fish or you don't eat um, animal protein okay. altogether. Uh, so it gives you a lot of options. And then how do we make it even cheaper? Let's get it even cheaper. <laughs> but um, can but we, no. can we get like a week free? What do we, what do we get when we put in the code? Well, let's see. Check out this week's menu, and you can actually get your first three meals free yes. with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash justice. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash justice. That's awesome. Three meals for free. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. So thank you, guys, Blue Apron. Well, we have a one more story, and this is about another Asian-American story. Um, a math professor, uh, well, so there's a math professor, and he's claiming that at the University of Chicago, that as a Korean, they, as a Korean, they made him teach math and um, Korean studies, and he had no choice in the matter, even though he wasn't qualified to teach. Yeah, no, I thought this was an, actually an interesting case where this man, he, um, his last name is Choi, so I'll just call him profession, Professor Choi, mm-hmm. uh, was a teacher at, at the University of Illinois at Chicago, um, and he was a pr- professor of international relations. Yeah. And what happened was that in 2010, he was fired from his job, uh, and he filed a complaint with, with the EEOC. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They settled, um, and in 2001, he was actually reinstated with a promotion. Um, but then in 2016, we have the present case where he filed another claim for retaliation, saying that they were trying to make him teach a, st- a statistics class because Koreans specifically are great at math. He didn't get any raises as well. He thought no fair raises throughout the Yeah, he, he didn't get, he was denied raises. Uh, he was try, he, uh, asked to teach Korean politics, which he said, I have no background in Korean politics. I'm not even... Um, 
you know, qualified to teach this. And so um, he felt that they were purposely trying to isolate him from the depart from the others in the department. And really, it's kind of created a, almost like a hostile uh, environment for him. And at, at one point, um, I guess he, one of the department head changed one of his grades and said, mm-hmm. as a Korean, he didn't wouldn't understand American culture and that Koreans were stubborn. Yeah, so, I mean, if there is actual documentation of these things, then I think he probably has a pretty good case on his hands. Yeah, it's not looking so good for University of Illinois. No, it's not. Well, uh, that runs our gamut of stories for today. We got through it quickly. We're down <laughs> to... <laughs> there was one thing uh, I wanted to get your perspective oh, on, on oh, the whole, like, do. Sherry Shepard. Because uh, <laughs> we were talking earlier about, yeah. like, you know, the fact that she had... Um, so in addition to kind of um, the question of how much she was supposed to pay in child support, there was another interesting <laughs> matter where she tried to um, remove her name from the birth certificate of the child because yeah. she felt, I'm not this child's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, what did you think of that? Because this, this so basically the background of this is that she and her uh, ex-husband uh, were in a relationship. They had gotten married. She realized that she could not have children. Yeah. Um, and so they got a donor, donor egg, egg implanted his- into his sperm and got a surrogate to carry the baby. Yeah. But fast forward, oops, not, you know, the wedded bliss yeah. only lasts for so long. Six months later, or six, six months into the pregnancy, Sherry Shepard says, I'm out of this relationship, and by yeah. the way, that's that, not my no, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense from her standpoint, right? She, she, it's not even her egg, so there's no genetic material. But when you enter into an agreement for surrogacy, yeah. I mean, you're signing contracts that say that I am the parent of this child, like I will take responsibility no, I, for this child. Because what was interesting, she was trying to say the surrogate mother, the the woman who carried the baby, who like was just like, I all I did was enter into a contract to like carry this yeah. baby for you. But she tried to say that, oh, that's the mother over there. Well, it, it has to fall on Sherry, but it, there is something <laughs> like, very... Whatever happened to like the up, upholding of contract yeah, law? Yeah, no, no it, it has to fall on Sherry because of contract law. But it, there is something that seems odd about it, that it's <laughs> not your child. You're no longer married to the guy you're going to raise it with. But yeah, she signed a contract. She should have fully entered into that, expecting to raise his child, regardless of which way the relationship was going to go. But I think she signed it. She thought, wedded bliss, this is going to be wonderful. Yeah, I just thought it was a little strange that like once they broke up, she was like, "Oh, I can just, oh yeah, I, I mean, can just, I can just, yeah. I can also just get rid of this child that I've created that I chose to create." Yeah, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing, but I, I can see it from her standpoint. I, I can, in terms of the emotion, she has no emotional tie to the child. She's got no, and she no longer has an emotional tie to the person she's going to raise the child with. So I, it would seem very natural for her to say, okay, I'm good. Well, wait, but so then can, if, 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 so th- th- does that excuse, like, absentee fathers who are like, no, well, no, I never had I, a no, part I, of my child's I, life, so, like, why should I still no, be this child's parent? I think she should still be paying, but I, I understand her feeling. I understand her, but she should still be paying. Yeah. Oh. Well, on that, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> I had to say it. I was so surprised when I saw this. It was like, I don't think you can just. Get rid of the yeah, child. Yeah, no, get rid of can. the child. Like, and, no. And she's paying quite a pretty penny. It's not like we're turning uh, a pocketbook to the store. <laughs> so on that note, uh, we'll leave you guys. Again, my name is Shaka Smith. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. And I'm Yemi Abayami, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ayemyems. Have a good one. 
From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.